Welcome to part six of a series we've been doing called Why We Do What We Do. If you haven't been here, if you're new to the series, for the last six weeks we've been kind of going through and talking about things that we do in a church on a regular basis, but we do them so often I think sometimes we kind of forget the meaning or forget the significance of them. So we talked about baptism, we talked about communion, and we talked about denying ourselves. So this week, I want to talk about missions. We're going to talk about why we do missions. So I think a lot of us know why we do missions because of the Great Commission. Probably one of the most significant passages in all of Scripture is found in the book of Matthew and the other Gospels as well, where Jesus is giving his last instructions to the disciples. So it's a pretty powerful Scripture because Jesus is giving his last instructions and he's telling his disciples what he wants them to do after he's gone. So let me read you the Great Commission in Matthew 28, where it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, when you bring up missions and you bring up the Great Commission, sometimes it can bring up a little anxiety because suddenly you're talking about evangelism. And suddenly people can start to get that feeling like, ah, oh, I know I'm supposed to do that and I don't do it enough or I really don't know how to do it or I'm not even doing it all. So it's easy to kind of talk about a message on missions and start to feel a little guilty or a little anxious. But I think we all need to agree that God never motivates through guilt. He never motivates through anxiety. He never motivates by telling you you're wrong. He always motivates through compassion and love and mercy and acceptance. So I'm excited for this message today because I think we're going to approach missions from the compassion of Jesus. And it's going to motivate us to be more involved in missions and evangelism. So you're going to hear not just from me, we got Andrew Miller, who's going to come in uh, all the way from Nepal via computer. That's why we were a little stressed in this morning when our technology wasn't working right, because we have Andrew a video. It's a canned video, but it wasn't playing right. And also, we're going to have two of our Bridge Street mission students that are going to come up in here and share a little bit uh, towards the end of the service. So it's a great service. going to hear different, four different perspectives. So before I continue on, let's see what Andrew's up to. And let's hope it all works well. Hello, Lake Effect Church. I am so excited to take a second and make a little update video for you guys. Uh, we all went to the mountains for a month. Uh, our community just all really wanted to get the Nepali language um, and really commit to going even deeper and learning and speaking Nepali. And so to do that, we got out of the city and went into the mountains where people speak purely Nepali and nothing else. And we committed ourselves for the whole month um, just to learn as much Nepali as possible. And we just studied Nepali language as much as we could, um, going for at least six hours a day of just speaking in Nepali. Um, and it was really, really great to see how our ability to actually speak and communicate in the Nepali language um, has already just jumped to such another level with doing that. Once a year, for a whole week, we go 24-7 in worship and prayer. 
Um, and so we just kicked that off yesterday of jumping into 24-7 worship and prayer, um, just praying to the Lord, worshiping him, thanking him for all he is, and then praying for Nepal and the nations around it, um, and really believing that out of just this time of set-aside devotion to God, he's really going to continue to shape and change things. Um, and then with that, off the tail end of that, um, we're going to then break up into teams and go to surrounding countries. Um, we really believe a part of what God wants to do here in Nepal is not just raise up Nepalese for the sake of Nepal, but really raise up Nepalese for the sake of moving to other nations and continuing to shift uh, what God is doing around us. You know, to the north of Nepal and the south of Nepal, you have at least one-third of the world's population. You have the two most populated countries in the world. Um, both countries that it's a little difficult to be a foreigner in those countries. Um, a little difficult for us as, as foreigners to connect with the local people. However, Nepalis are great at that. Nepalis fit in just about everywhere they go. Um, and we really believe it's a gift that God has given them to see them be sent out into other places and other nations. And so part of us doing that, part of us really setting them up for success is going to these locations um, and then there as well, praying and preparing the place, preparing the ground before they go. Um, even if we can't do too much, um, just going there and spending time in prayer for that country to see the window and the door opened uh, for the work that God is doing here to continue to shift and to spread into those surrounding countries. Um, thank you guys once again so much for all of your prayers and support. Um, I'm sure you can probably tell how much we as a community here, um, and even me personally, really value prayer. Um, and your guys' prayer especially, just, <laughs> I can't put to words how much it means. Um, and the support and the encouragement that it is, um, and that each and every one of you are, it, it makes what we do out here uh, worth so much more, so much more meaningful, um, and also in the hard times, uh, a little bit easier to do. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for your prayers and your relationships. Uh, I love each and every one of you and can't wait to be able to come back in a little bit and uh, see you all again. Awesome. Well, it's good to hear from Andrew. For those of you who know Andrew, you love Andrew. He's an amazing young guy, and it's an honor and a privilege for Lake Effect to be sponsoring Andrew to send him out. So thank you, all of you, for all your generous ties and donations to Lake Effect so we can support Andrew. And we just so you know, we support him on a consistent basis each month to help with his expenses. So it's great. I mean, Andrew has a heart of a missionary. He loves what he does, and he is on a two-year commitment in Nepal. So even though he said, I'll see you soon, it's going to probably be a while. So if you know Andrew, you know his heart, and you know Andrew loves people. And probably any person here that knows Andrew, you really love him deeply. And I'd say probably one of the best ways to understand what's on Andrew's heart is to pray with Andrew. Because when you spend time praying with Andrew, you quickly figure out what's really important to Andrew. It doesn't take too long to figure out what motivates Andrew, what drives Andrew. And you see the same thing in John 17 when Jesus is praying. This is a night before Jesus is going to die. It's his last 24 hours on earth. 
He knows the next day he will be crucified. And this is the last recorded prayer that Jesus has with his disciples. So I think it's pretty safe to assume this is probably one of the most strategic prayers of Jesus. Because if you knew your life was going to be over in 24 hours, you'd probably be very intentional on what you're going to be praying your last night on earth. Because you want to make sure that what you start is going to continue on. You want to make sure what started in your life is going to continue and that the mission that God has for you is going to be accomplished. So I want to look at John 17 to examine the last prayer that Jesus did because in there you're going to see, number one, Jesus prayed for himself. Number two, he prayed for his disciples. And third, he prayed for the people that don't know him yet. So I want to start out and read John 17, 1 through 5. And Jesus said, after saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is a way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you have sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me the glory we shared before the world began. So when Jesus prays his final times with his disciples, the very first thing that he does is he prays for himself. I think sometimes you're a little surprised that he would pray for himself first. And second, you're surprised that he says, glorify me. You really don't expect that out of a prayer, and we would probably not expect that we should do that. I think sometimes we don't expect that because I don't think we really know what it means to be glorified. I think we think that's kind of one of those mystical little Bible terms we don't really understand, so we kind of ignore it. But I think in the scripture, in this chapter, God is giving us a pattern of how we should pray. And the first thing is you start with yourself and saying, God, glorify me. So what in the world does glorify mean? See, to mean to be glorified means to shine. It means what's inside of you, may it shine for the world to see. And that's what Jesus was simply praying. God, would you let what's inside of me be evident to the world around me. And that's what God wants us to pray. That he wants to bless us each day. That we're overflowing with blessings so that the world can see what Jesus has done in our life. I think sometimes we think of being blessed by God or think of being glorified is way more complicated than it is. I think a great definition of a blessing is when God gives you more than you need so you can give it to other people. That's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to fill you to the point that you're overflowing to bless the world around you. And that's step one that God gave the pattern in John 17 is pray for yourself that the world would see Christ in you. And then the next thing that Jesus does is he prays for his disciples. In verse 6 through 19, Jesus says, I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from the world. They were always yours. They gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you, and they believed you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from this world. They are staying in this world, 
but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scripture foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. (coughs) Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is the truth. Just as you sent me into this world, so I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them, so they may be made holy by your truth. So the second thing that Jesus does is he prays for those closest to him. He prays for his disciples. He prays two things for them. Number one, he prays that they would be protected from the evil one. That they would be protected from the schemes of the devil. And the second thing he prays is that they would not be corrupted by the world. See, Jesus understands that each of us still has to live in the world. We live in a worldly system with a worldly structure. And as Jesus said in the scripture, and the world hates you for what you believe. And so Jesus is saying, would you protect them? See, what Jesus is doing in this chapter, in this section of scripture, he's praying that his friends would find the freedom that they need in their life. See, at Lake Effect Church, we have four pillars. Number one is we want everybody to know God. And the second part is everybody would find freedom in their life. And Jesus is praying that his friends would walk in the freedom that God has for them, that they would know the truth and that the truth would be setting them free. Because Jesus knows the best way for you to focus on missions, the best way to you to focus on other people is when you can take your eyes off yourself and over your situation that you can start looking forward on other people. So Jesus is praying for his disciples that they would find the restoration, the healing that they need in life so that they can focus on other people. And then the third thing that Jesus prays for is he prays for the church. In 17, verse 20 through 26, it says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one, as you and I are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love me as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these, and these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed them, I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for, for me will be in them, and I will be in them. So the last thing that Jesus does is he prays for people that don't know him yet. Now it's interesting when you go back to verse 9 that Jesus says, I'm not praying for the world. 
but I'm praying for those you have given to me. It's interesting because you would expect that Jesus would be praying for the lost people, but what Jesus does instead is he says, I'm going to continue to pray for my disciples because the best way to reach those that don't know me is through my disciples. The best way to change a city, to change a region, to change a nation is by believers in Jesus Christ going to that area and sharing the gospel. And that's what Jesus is praying in this passage. He's praying for his disciples to have an influence wherever they go, that they would have an influence on any territory that they go in. So part of praying for West Michigan, part of praying for Michigan, the United States, and the nation of the world is to pray that the local church would rise up and do what it's supposed to do. That the believers in those areas would rise up and be the church that they're meant to be. That they would go through their city and go through their region and reflect Christ. That the glory that's in Christ would be reflected to the community around. See, God never wanted us to live in isolation. But he wanted us to infect everything that would, is around us. And again, Jesus prays for his disciples that they would be protected. Because he knows that the enemy wants to scatter them. And he wants to break them down and he wants to cause disunity in the body of Christ. Because the whole time what Jesus is trying to do is saying, disciples, I want you to reflect me. I want people to look at you and see so much Jesus in you that they're drawn to me. And the enemy comes in and says, no, I want the, I want the body of Christ to look no different from the world so that you lose your effectiveness. And that's the beautiful story of John 17 is Jesus lays it out from the very beginning. Father, would you glorify me so that I would shine and that I would draw other people to you. And he continues that theme of pouring out your spirit on the believer so that they would shine in every community. I love the simplicity of John 17. Just pray that the blessing of God would overflow in your life so it would affect everybody around you. So at this time, I want to invite up two of our Bridge Street students. We have Holly and Cole that are going to come up. Some of you are probably not too familiar with Bridge Street, House of Prayer. It's a ministry down Bridge Street. Thank you guys for coming. We're excited to have you. Bridge Street is a wonderful ministry just down Bridge Street, probably a mile or so from here. It started several years ago when two other leaders were college students and they just had a heart for the neighborhood. And they bought a house down Bridge Street and they started praying every day for the neighborhood. And what, 10 years later, whatever, they have a mission school, they have an immersion program, they do outreach to the local middle school, and Cole and Holly are two other uh, mission school students that have kind of given probably about a year to the program. So I wanted them to come today and share a little bit with you about missions, because Holly just got back from India and Cole got back from Guatemala where they were there for about two months. So please welcome them. We're excited to have them with us today. Cole and Holly have been really involved with our kids' ministry. Sometimes you don't see them down here because they're upstairs quite a bit. So you're going to be first. Oh, okay. So I just have some questions that we're going to ask them, and I guess if any of you had a question, you could ask them too. So, you know, probably some of you are wondering, Bridge Street. Bridge Street is a partner of Lake Effect. We love the leadership of Bridge Street uh, House of Prayer. A lot of uh, our Lake Effect people are quite involved there. Some of their kids have gone through the program. We have Porta in the back. Her daughter graduated from 
Bridge Street Mission School. That's where we got our Brody from. He graduated. And we have Justin in the back who is a current student. And I'm looking around to see any other people. And so anyway, it's a great organization, and we love them, and we're so happy to have them on the west side. And they're one of their leaders has uh, given us a lot of advice over the last couple of years we planted a church. So welcome, Holly and Cole. Thank you for being willing to come up. So before we begin and ask them some questions, Holly, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, okay. So my name is Holly Krajewski. Um I grew up in um, Dyer, Indiana, so I'm from, like, northwest Indiana, like, like two blocks away from Illinois, so I kind of just say I'm from Chicago because people think I live in a cornfield if I say I'm from Indiana. So, I yeah, Chicago area. Um, but yeah, so I ended up at um, Bridge Street Mission School. My mom was friends with someone who, um, like, works with uh, Bridge Street as an organization, and I went to college for a year, went to two different colleges, two different semesters, so I was like, I should probably find a different plan instead of going to a third college and spending a lot of money on things that I don't know what to do with. So, um, yeah, very thankful for this gap year. God kind of just placed it in my lap, and I was like, well, I guess this is my plan. So, but yeah, his timing is perfect, and I, yeah, mine is not. So, um, yeah, it works out really well, and yeah, it's been a great year, and it's been a lot of fun. So that's kind of how I came to Grand Rapids area. Uh, so Cole, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to Bridge Street? Yeah, How'd I'm you Cole. Get here? Um, yeah, I grew up on the south side of town, Wyoming area. Um, you know, once once high school was done, I had um, a job lined up out in California where I was gonna, you know, pretty much do my kind of my dream career. But I just felt the Lord just saying, Cole, I really need you just to take a year off. Um, there's some stuff that I really want um, just to do in you and through you. So um, I was like, okay, what <laughs> what does that even entail? What does that even look like? Um, and then, yeah, I found out about Bridge Street and, yeah, basically signed up. Cool. Here I am. Uh <laughs> Great. We're glad you're here. So the Bridge Street Mission School, some of you probably are more familiar with YWAM. It's kind of a similar program where the students come, they spend... So, what's that? We're pretty much the same thing as YWAM. So, same. Anyway, it's, what, it's, a, it's geared to missions, teaching people how to be very missional. In the first several months of their program, Holly, I will ask you the next question. So, <laughs> just so you're prepared. So the first several months of Bridge Street Mission School is all preparation. So, Holly, why don't you tell us what prepared you the most to go to India for two months? Um, yeah, so, yeah, I think phase one is kind of geared more towards, like, like understanding, like, urban missions, kind mm -hmm. of. And so, um, honestly, thinking back on it, I'm like, <laughs> I don't really know how prepared I was for India before I went to <laughs> India. Because, like, the language is called Telugu, and I'm like... I still can't speak any. I was there for two months, still can't. I mean, like, I can speak some, but it's such a hard language to learn and comprehend. And, um, like, yeah, even just praying for, like, the people in India, like, before we went there, like, their name's really hard to pronounce. So it's kind of just like, I pray for this person. I don't know who they are. I don't really think I said their name right. But kind of just having that posture of, like, prayer and, like, understanding that these are people on the other side of the world that I'm going to get to meet I think that was the biggest thing for me of like wow like 
this is act like I'm actually going to be there, like get to meet these people. Yeah. And like these are actually they're not just different people. They're like my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think that was the biggest thing of like understanding that. Um, yeah, that like as cheesy as it sounds like we're all one family. Yeah. And um, that's good. Yeah, just seeing, yeah, I think that was the thing that kind of prepared me the most because, like, Indian culture is the exact opposite of our culture, so it's a little, like, there's kind of no way to prepare for that. It's just in your head. You're like, all right, take everything I know, now do it the other way, and that's how it is. So, and that's how it was, but it was was really cool. So I think kind of just getting in the mindset of, like, okay, different isn't bad, and... um. I get to meet brothers and sisters in Christ. So just having those two things in mind before I went, I think that was what prepared me the most. That's good. That's good. So Cole, you told me when you got to Guatemala, after all your preparation, you got there and you were a little bit terrified. So tell us, and I think all of us relate to you kind of when you talk about evangelism, you talk about missions, sometimes you get that terrified feeling. So tell us, what did terrified mean to you and how did you work through it? Yeah, um... When I when I first got there, um, I think the thing that I was most worried about was just like the language barrier. Um, granted, I had it a lot easier than the India team did because I mean everyone knows a little bit of Spanish. I mean we had Spanish in high school, whatever. But like, <laughs> so and but like Telugu is like some completely entirely. So I, and you know I was thinking that I'm like man if I can't even understand Spanish like the basics, you know how effective am I really going to be in this? So I was pretty terrified <laughs> just about that um, and that aspect. And then I'm also someone who um, I try to plan for things in advance. Um, and so, like, you know, there's a lot of – I did, you know, a fair amount of prep with, like, some of the in the Bridge Street staff. But, like, as soon as I got off the plane, I was like, wow, I am at a whole new, you know, ball game. I have no idea, you know, what – what I'm going to do or how I'm really going to, you know, like, man, I've been here for five minutes and I'm already like, wow, this is, uh, this is going to be quite the two months. But, um, <laughs> you know, as time, as time went on, um, I'll just use language, you know, for example, um, you know, God just like really like blessed me just a ton with just, you know, being able to speak the language, um, I wasn't fluent by any standards, but you know, there was definitely there was definitely like the Holy Spirit that was, you know, kind of equipping me and helping me with that language aspect in particular. But yeah, just a lot of like culture shock and a lot of things that I was just mostly just like scared about. Like, how am I actually going to be able to help these people? I don't know anything about them really. So, so when you went to Guatemala and you got there and you're there to be missional. How were you missional? What does it mean to be missional when you go across the country to work with a, a people group that you're not very familiar with? You don't have language in common. What did you do to reflect Christ or show Christ? I mean, is there, what did you guys do while you're there? Yeah. So there's one thing that I learned that's just super important about missions. Um, so we go to other places or even in our urban ministry, um, we don't serve people how we want to serve them or how we think we should serve them. What's important is serving them the way that they need to be served. Um, That's good. So, for example, um, when I first came into mission school and found out about the phase two thing, 
my like inner desire was um, it's one thing that I'm just like super passionate about and I just love is technology. So one thing I was like is I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna help them with technology, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> but that was is quite the opposite of actually, you know, what we did. So the main thing that we did as far as missions is concerned is we worked in um just kind of like an urban slum, like a really, really broken, beautiful, but broken at the same time urban slum. And in that there's four different Christian schools or academies as they call them. Um so our primary thing that we did was uh, each day we went to a different school. Um, so our primary thing that we did was um, we taught in the schools and then just helped out with the maintenance and overall uptaking of the schools. Great. Answered your question, right? Yeah. All right. Good. Just want to make sure. All right. Sometimes so, Holly, you know, now that you guys are back, you had your big, your first <laughs> phase was the training and the preparation. You go to India, you're there for a couple months, and now you're back here. So what are you guys doing now that you're back? What's the final phase of your mission school? What's this called? Um, yeah, so phase three is called, like, the sending phase. Um, so what does that mean? What are you guys doing now? So right now we're kind of doing the same kind of things we were doing in phase one. Um, we all have afternoon ministries that we do. So I work with Westwood. We both work with Westwood Middle School um, and do, like, after-school programs for them. Um, and so I, I think coming back, it's just coming back with a different perspective because, um, yeah, just learning a lot about, like, m the word missions and, like, mission trip and mission, like, just understanding the concept of missions and how it kind of becomes, like, easy to be complacent and being like, well, to be a missionary, I need to go to a different country and stay there for an amount of time and come back. And that's, like, the definition of missions. And, like, growing up, that's what I've known. Like, my, like, school, my high school, like, they sent people on a, the, the old, like, mission trip to Uganda every year. And it was just, like, they went, painted a mural, came back. And I'm like, yeah, that, you know, that's a mission trip, you know. And <laughs> it's, yeah, and those things can be okay. But it's, like, we're, that's not healthy. And, um, yeah. There's a lot of things I could say. I think right now it's just understanding like that my definition of missions was wrong and that missions here is the same as missions anywhere else and honestly probably better that I'm here doing missions. Um, just understanding the fact that, um, yeah, like that when Jesus was doing missions, he, like Jesus was born into you know, a Jewish family, and, like, he, like God knew that the only way that people would listen to him is if he was their own people. Like, yeah. like we're in our own cultures for a reason, and people will listen to people that, like, know them, know their story, know their background, and so it's hard to be a white girl going to India and trying to, like, I don't speak their language. It's in, so it just was, like... We read a book while we were there um, called Revolution in World Missions um, by K.P. Johan. And, like, <laughs> there's a part where it's just, like, you know, if you're, like, you can't bring Western gospel to an Eastern culture. And it's, like, oh, well, what am I doing here then? <laughs> you know, like, why am I here? Um, and I think a lot of, like, what Cole said is just learning how to serve, like, serve to people's needs, like, asking 
Like, what do you need? What can we do for you here? Or should we like, is, or are we more of a hindrance to you? And understanding that our presence as white people in a different culture can be a hindrance and not thinking that we have it right and like going somewhere and taking that to other people, like thinking that we're always right with that. Um, kind of just asking that those people like and asking them and saying, what can we do here? Like, what can we That's do good. for you? So That's good. coming back with that perspective and being in phase three is kind of, um, it's nice to be like, okay, it's the same here. Like I, like, instead of saying like, this is the church, you know, this is what we are in like West Michigan. This is like, this is how we can serve you guys. Like, like in different cultures, different areas, different ministries. Like this is what our church is equipped with to serve you. But instead of coming with like a humble serving attitude, like that's what Jesus did is he came to serve and he knows he had to equip people. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, like equipping the disciples to tell other people about Jesus. Like Jesus wasn't out every hour of every day saying, I'm Jesus, I'm Jesus. Like, hi, you know, like you all need me, even though we do, but like he equipped disciples to tell other people okay. about Jesus. And that's like what we're here to do. And we do that by serving other people in the ways that they needed, like they need to be served and they know they need to be served in that way. So I think just seeing that and um, yeah, just like being in our afternoon ministry and like being with the middle schoolers and seeing like, okay, maybe they don't need someone to like, you know, maybe they don't need someone to like force them to play a game. Maybe they need to like, go and sit over in the corner and like be by themselves or like have a talk or something like that and just like understanding that it's not about us doing missions it's about us serving people and reflecting Christ in that way that's good that's yeah. good so Cole what what is what surprised you the most over the last several months through the the Bridge Street Mission School you've been through you went through the training you went through to Guatemala, now you're back here trying to live a missional life. What ways has God surprised you the most or things have turned out maybe different from what you expected? Yeah. Um, kind of things that have surprised me the most is just like um, I've learned like a ton about what missions actually is. And Holly was pretty much spot on about the whole like mindset of we want to go in and fix things the way that we want to yeah. fix them. But the reality is that's just not going to work. Um, yeah, it just doesn't. Um, so how can you be more missional? What's your advice to people here that want to be more missional and mm -hmm. they're living their daily life? What can we do to reflect Christ better to our community or those that we've influenced over? Yeah. Um, I think the most important thing that we can do is listen. Um, That's good. I'm just going to share a little bit about... Um, B-Shop story, because it's just a really good example of just kind of how they got started. And if I miss something up, you want to jump in and help me? <laughs> um, so it kind of started off as um, Ryan, the founder, was just kind of praying. And he just wanted to pray. Like, he moved into the west side, um, and he's just praying, like, God, I want to help these people. So he starts praying and praying, and God places on his heart the building across the street. So he goes, you know, eventually he puts out a lease for it. And originally what his plan was, was to start a Christian cafe, right? Um, because some other organization, some other Grand Rapids was doing that. Um, so Ryan was like, okay, we're going to do that too. Um, 
But the reality is that he found is that what's going to work for one place isn't going to work for another. So wherever it was that had the Christian Cafe open, it was a great program for them. Um, but that's not what the West Side specifically needed. Um, what the West Side needed was just a place people can come, get free coffee, a free bagel, and just sit and enjoy community and fellowship with each other. So that's just an example. So, But the main thing that the first step, well, the second step, the first step would be praying about what God wants you to do. The second step is listening, listening to the people where you want to serve them, listening to what they need and what is going to best benefit them. Um, just because we may think that we know, like, how to help people. And um, you know, if that's from God, then yeah. But it's also important to note that um, every people group is different. Like, from where I grew up in Wyoming, it's completely different from the west side, and it's 20 minutes from here, maybe even less. Um, so the advice that I would give is just pray and, like, earnestly pray about not just the, you know, like once a week or once a month, but on a daily basis, um, just prayer that, you know, God will be, well, God will show you what he wants you to do with missions. Um, you know, I'm still, I'm still in that phase to the point where, you know, B-Shop only has about a month and a half left. I don't really know entirely what God wants me to do as far as ministry is concerned after that. Um, so the first thing that I would advise you do is just pray. Just pray that, and once you kind of get an idea of that, start listening, listening to the people that you want to serve, and listening to the people that God has placed in your life that you can serve. That's great. That's great advice. So as we finish up, Holly, how has this year changed you the most? How did India change you the most? When you look back, when you started B-Shop, and now you're here, what did, how has God changed you? Yeah, so I think boldness is a good word. Um, I think, I, I don't want to say I'm not a bold person because I, I am, I talk a lot, I talk too much. Um, but when it comes to my faith, it's hard for me to be bold. I'm a real people pleaser, so it's kind of just like, well, I don't want to make this person, you know, feel sad. I don't want to tell them, like, the truth about the gospel because that would make them feel bad. Like, I, like, stuff in my head like that, like, it's hard to be bold with my faith. Um, but being in India, it was kind of just like we prayed before we went that like we'd be filled with boldness and like it was hard to like look at these kids and say, hey, you have like, like I kind of went over this example with you guys over lunch, but like kind of saying to them, okay, <laughs> like would you choose life or death? And of course they all said, well, life, you know, and then being like, okay, well, you only have one choice, death. But Jesus chose death for you, so now you get a choice again. You get to pick life or death. And you all said you'd pick life, right? And they're all like, right, yeah. And then saying, like, all right, if you're choosing Hinduism, you're choosing death. If you're choosing, um, like, idols, you're choosing death. If you're choosing Allah, you're choosing death. If you're choosing all of those things and Jesus, you're still choosing death. If you're not choosing any of those things, you're choosing death. Like, choosing Jesus is the only way to life. And... Like, for me, I was like, wow, I just told a kid that they're essentially going to hell if they don't choose Jesus. And, like, that's so hard. But, like, yeah. also the Holy Spirit works through that so much. And, like, I I didn't, 
yeah, it's just boldness is such like a great thing to pray for. And um, it, it's so hard coming back to and being like, okay, I said that to those kids, like, why can't I say that to my friend who's an atheist? You know, mm-hmm. it's so hard to like be in a different, like, like a different being back in like this culture and being like, wow, like how looked down upon that is to be like forcing, I mean, like in this, in America now, it's like forcing your religion on other people. And like, but it's out of love. Like if I sincerely believe that Jesus is the only way to life, why aren't I telling people, you know, like why am I not telling people? And so that's kind of the biggest difference. And it's, but that's the thing is it's, it's, it's hard to do. Like, it's not, I don't have it perfectly at all. It's so, it's so hard to do, but, um, yeah, just understanding that, um, that having that boldness, like, is such an asset, and, um, kind of just understanding, I also said this at lunch the other day, too, like, the biggest problem people have with the church nowadays (laughs) is that we're hypocrites, you know, that's, that's what everyone says, is we're a bunch of hypocrites, and, I don't think a lot of people think the solution to that is showing like, no, we love people. See, we like God is love. We're loving everyone. And that's not the truth. You know, we're not like people want us to live differently. That's what they're asking us to do. They're asking us to live differently because right now they just see us living like the rest of the world, lying and cheating and doing the same things the rest of the world is doing. And not that we don't do those things that not that we don't fall short, not that we don't sin because we do, but saying that um, we're forgiven in that and still saying that we're set apart, we're holy. Yeah. God has made us holy because, because of Jesus, because That's of good. Jesus' death on the yeah. cross. And That's so good. I think it's coming back and understanding that and That's I'm good. still getting my grasp around that. Like, how does that look in my life? What do I do? You know, how do I live differently? And still say, like, I love you, but also if you're not choosing Jesus, you're going to hell. And like, how do I balance that? How do I tell people that? Yeah. So it's kind of a lot of um, learning still. Sure. Yeah, and that's good. Heck, that's why I'm still in school. So <laughs> That's a good um, place to be. But, yeah, just good. understanding that the world wants us to live differently. That's good. And just kind of looking at your own life and seeing what that looks like good. for good. just showing God's glory. Good. That's great. I appreciate that. So, Cole, how, how did Guatemala change you? What did... How are you different in Guatemala in mission school than you were a few months ago? Yeah, for one, I love beans and rice, so um, <laughs> which is good because that's a it's a pretty essential and primary food group there. Um, but just kind of the ways that I'm different, um, I definitely have more faith and I have more trust um, in just God's overall plan. I've always been someone who's very skeptical, someone who's very practical um, about likes. Okay, is this really gonna? Is this really gonna work? Um, you know, what's the logic behind this? Um, but you know, day to day in Guatemala, not really knowing what the day was gonna bring, it got really tiring. Just trying to plan ahead and stressed out and think of every little thing individually. Um, and, you know, after a while, I was just like, you know, it's really not my place to, you know, do these things. Um, it's not my place to put my trust in my own self 
or in worldly things. Um, so I just kind of learned that. Another way that um, that guy just like really changed me and molded me was he taught me. Like he actually, you know, taught me a very intro intro level to what missions is actually about. Because two months sounds pretty long, but in the grand scheme of things, it's actually a pretty short time. And even in two months, it's hard to accomplish a whole lot as far as missions are concerned. Um, but, you know, one thing that you know, he's taught me is that, you know, everything that we need, like he's a provider for yeah. all of our needs. And especially like money. Money is such just like a minuscule thing for God <laughs> to worry about. Um, like he's just continually just like blessed me just, you know, beyond, um, just beyond, you know, uh, comprehension. Um, yeah, so just a lot of different things. Sorry, that's I good. A little no, bit. that's good. Well, we appreciate your answer. Is there anything else you want to say to close? Anything else in your heart that you yeah. didn't get out? I just got to say something. Um, I, I remember when I first um, heard Ryan talking about the Bridge Street Mission School. And um, yeah, I was like, crap, that's going to be hard. Um, <laughs> um, and it is, it is. But, um, you know, I... I was just kind of like feeling like just kind of stressed out, you know, about, and I'm like, man, how am I going to do this? And then just God really just like gave me, um, just a really good passage to help out. Um, so in Matthew, Matthew 10, um, to give a little context, what's happening here. It's like, um, it's like game time, right? So Jesus is sending out his disciples to go out and it's kind of his grasshopper speech is you're going to don't bring anything. Um, you can bring a walking stick. Yeah, I'll let you, I'll let you hear that. If you get beaten, shake it off, go to the next town. And, like, that's a really hard, like, grasshopper speech. Like, man, that's going to be hard. But one thing that um, in verse 20, it was just life-changing to me. Um, in that verse, I don't have it memorized. But um, he just talks about the Holy Spirit will be with us and is going to help us. Um, one thing that I think it's important to note um, and like, you know, whenever you start missions, um, it's kind of a scary, it's a daunting thing. Um, but, um, I just want to really encourage you guys that we're not alone in this. Um, another thing, um, so one, we have the Holy Spirit with us, um, which is an incredibly, incredibly powerful thing. Yeah. Um, that words can't really describe. And then two, um, we have a community. Um, there's a reason why Jesus sent two at a time and not just single people. And, you know, when I first read that, I was thinking, you know, if you, because probably had about 60 disciples, right, um, is what the text says around there. I'm thinking, now if you had, you're only reaching 30 places. If everyone went individually, that'd be 60. So what's going on here? But, I think it's really important just to note how important it is to have community with believers, especially the whole family-oriented dynamic. And if that's not available, um, that's what a church is. Um, a church is that's much good. more than Jack preaching, and they do a very good job at it. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, a building. It's where two or more are gathered. Amen. There he is. That's so great. I just want to encourage you that, 
you know, if you're, you know, feeling like called to do any missions work or even, even, even urban ministry, because it's a very vital and essential thing. Um, I just want to give you guys some encouragement that you know, you're not alone. You have the Holy Spirit with you and you have a community of believers. That's good. That's very good advice. Holly, anything else that you want to say? Um, kind of just what Cole said. That's a good thing. So, all right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, hey guys, we appreciate you taking the time to come and share with us today. And let me get over your head. And we appreciate you guys so much and all the service that you do, not just uh, in Indian Guatemala, but you do at Lake Effect Church as well. So thank you guys so much. It's an honor to have you here today. So you guys can sit down. So we're just grateful to have them and their contribution to Lake Effect and to the community. And I think it's encouraging to hear from young people that are just really missional, dedicated to living a missional life. And I appreciate the advice they gave us. Just a simple advice of just, you know, God has called us to missions. And he hasn't called us to do it alone. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us a community of believers to support each other. But also, God does have a target for us. He has people that we want to be missional with. And I love the advice Cole brought up. Just pray about it. See who God is going to put on your heart. See who God has called you to be missional with, to maybe share the gospel with. And I think they gave great advice. You pray, ask God, and then listen. Then listen for what God is going to tell you. But then the third step that they brought up is also listen to that person. Listen to what that person, their needs are, or what maybe they're experiencing, or maybe how you can help them. So I'm going to have the worship team come up, and they're going to lead us in one final song. And during the song, if you want to sit down, stand up, whatever you want to do, that's great. But let's take this time to ask the Lord how we can be missional as individuals. Maybe there's some people that God wants to put on our heart. Maybe there's something from listening to Andrew and to Cole and to Holly, listening to them speak today that you just need to, just need to absorb it a little bit. Or maybe God's going to put a person on your heart today. And so let's just uh, worship the Lord during this last song, but also let's listen to how the Lord might be leading us, how to take what this message that we heard and how to be more missional.